When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The top flight season is finally over. Um, we have one more match to go, which is tonight in the playoffs for the championship. But I am joined today by, I wouldn't say crestfallen, but maybe someone who over the last few years is maybe getting used to defeat against the old firm in the in Scottish Cup finals it is uh, Craig Cairns. Hiya, Craig. A pessimist is never disappointed, Tony. <laughs> Are you? That that is that is normally how you roll. Eh? You're not one for the bravado. I'm cynical you know, as like, fuck. I'm, I'm too cynical yeah. for my own good. Because <laughs> yeah. I always, you know, you know my way. I always, regardless of what I actually think, just go balls out. That's how I always approach everything. For a team that always loses in these big games, I actually find out that's actually almost a defence mechanism in itself, uh, uh, rather than, than, than going the other way. And like Joel, I always find Joel flip flops. He likes to play. He always acts like a shitbag when it's the derbies, which is bizarre because it doesn't suit his personality. And he would normally be able to have such a swagger on a Monday after uh, that. But yeah, Fowler's screamingly logical at all times. Lives. Very much in the in the real world, uh, and you you go for the sort of pessimism all the time. And were you right to be pessimistic? What was uh, what was anything before the game when you saw the team? How did you feel? There was a lot of players. Obviously, there was a lot. Me and Tom spoke about this on the on the preview show. I found that the hardest preview show ever to do for Rangers and Hearts trying to work out how they'd be playing and how they'd approach it. No, you're totally right, because uh, obviously Rangers had a European Cup final that went to extra time in midweek, and Hearts had 
half half their squad coming back from injury almost. So, yeah, I mean, I said to you guys at the time, I thought it was a risky team because it looked like we had put out our best 11, yes, but we had put out a lot of players who there were potentially questions over their fitness. And, I mean, fair play to Halkett, he was brilliant and um, faded towards the end, which you can't really... Uh, fault him for and obviously Devlin he was given a role where he had a lot to do and he was never going to last the the 90 minutes doing that and I, I, but I think so I think that looked quite risky because I, I was determined that it was going to extra time I just I had mm. I had it in my head that it was going to extra time uh, Rangers have just done it a lot this season and I thought I thought about Rangers more than I did about Hearts so I thought it was quite risky because you're never going to be able to make enough substitutions to compensate for that. And Rangers just have a deeper squad. And let's just say before before I get to any negatives about Hearts, Rangers won the game because Rangers are the better team. I don't think there was really too much in the game. I mean, I know Rangers controlled large parts of the second half and they've missed a couple of sitters. And on another day, or if they don't play in midweek, then maybe they win that game 3 or 4-0. Yes, I get that. But over the 90 minutes, there really wasn't too much in it. I guess it was quite a boring game for the neutral because the second half was certainly quite boring. But when you're invested in it, it's definitely more more entertaining. But um, I, I just think that in the end, hearts were just too negative, I thought. I, I I know that we went at them at the start and it didn't really work out, but we we were a flat back five for a lot of the time and they, they didn't have any recognised strikers. And mm. I, I felt like from an outsider, it looked like it was just trying to get all the best players out on the park rather than have the the best system. And I mean, listen, he tried something different and he he'd obviously worked on it and it worked to an extent in restricting Rangers uh, getting the ball uh, into their midfielders. It really kind of restricted them to doing that in the first half. But, I mean, ultimately we didn't have a shot at goal and I feel like that's almost unforgivable in a cup final. I mean, you turn up all, all that build-up and you don't even test the goal the, the sub goalkeeper it's just it, it, it's, it really puts a bit of a, a damper on I mean it's, it's it's not taken away anything from it it's still been a great season but it, I mean I, I suppose it puts a, a wee bit of a a wee bit of a damper on it because there was a there was a lot of build up Rangers were there for the take in and we didn't really lay a glove on them um, yeah I agree I agree with, with lots of that I know Fowler Fowler took to Twitter as always uh Around seven minutes past one in the morning, <laughs> uh, which which I got excited about when I saw it coming through when I was lying in my bed. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I agreed a lot with what with what Fowler said. I think he made a really good point about um, obviously they have the best nutritionists and the best so the fitness coaches. The money doesn't just stretch to what's on the park; it's the the whole thing. And and I thought that's that's a really really fair point. But I still think he, he sort of wanted to negate no blame and no sort of there was no blame for the manager there was no blame for anyone and, and it was just what was inevitably almost going going to happen uh, and and I sort of disagreed with that a bit I think there, there was a clear game plan which he pointed out Hearts tried to take advantage of the of the tired legs they really wanted to test it the re- Hearts really wanted to go ahead I think they wanted to test Rangers legs when they would be forced into chasing a game but even what I didn't like is that Hearts didn't do that in any sort of stages. They sort of really, really blew their beans in the first 
45 minutes and it was really really intense all the time and they didn't really still didn't really create too much i mean obviously the sims chances i didn't really hit the post until i watched it back yeah He's he, it's, it's a golden chance, and he and he needs to use his his left foot. And if he uses his left foot, he doesn't need any power. It's gonna it's going to be a goal, and that is sort of like a huge chance. And but I still don't think that would have been enough. I think for that game plan to work with what Nielsen's doing there, what looked to me is Hearts needed to go two or three goals up in that first half because he was laying it all out there. I said before the game again. I don't want it to make it sound like hindsight because it wasn't that I would have been keen if I was Hearts, to leave Devlin on the bench and use him as as the thing, the weapon to go again in the, in the second half, where he him coming on and his style and aggression would, I would guess, in a later stages, maybe after an hour, would buy Hearts five, ten minutes of momentum. I, and I can kind of, I can kind of, the, the, to kind of stick up for Nielsen a wee bit, and and specifically what you're saying there about Devlin, but maybe it speaks about a few of the others as well. Is that at least when you start them, you have control over how long they play. Whereas mm-hmm. if you bring them on as a sub, then you don't know whether you're. I mean, say they've got a good half hour in them, right, and then you don't know beyond that, then. Okay, you can bring them on for the last half hour, but then there might be another half hour after that, and you might have to use another sub, or or you might have to have a tired tired player out there. So, I think Nielsen was kind of damned if he did and damned if he didn't a little bit when it came to the, the selecting the who he selected. But I mean that that was the gamble we took at the start of the season, and it largely worked. We went with a mm-hmm. small squad, and we just didn't have anybody to bring on. That's the other factor is that they bring on Kamara and Jack and Wright and two yeah, can score and. We're bringing on Ginelli and GMS, who've barely done anything all season, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, it's it's totally fair, and that's that's, and this is where I think there's a line because I thought, think not the heart back fella, just obviously I saw him make quite clear now that, that one of the Hearts fans I speak to obviously regularly, and he would put up exactly what Obsessed, his thoughts mate. were. <laughs> he he said exactly like sort of what his thoughts are, and and a lot of it was fair, but I just think that. Um, Nielsen did have some sort of control over it. And I think, like, tactically, um, like, you could have brought... When you're talking about um, the idea of they'd have to play maybe an extra half an hour when they don't want them to for this half an hour. But there, that's a, that that can also swing the other way with Nielsen in the fact that when he brings Halliday on for um, Boyce, and I would have started Halliday, to be honest, because he would have had... He's got legs, he's got aggression. He was highly motivated, I imagine, for this game. We're getting to the sort of the twilight he, of his career. If I'm not mistaken, he might have been another one that was coming back from injury. He certainly was injured not that long ago. Half, yeah. Honestly, half our, half our squad has been recently. Yeah, and that has to be taken into consideration. But again, for that, that's such a negative substitution. I get that. I see if the game's going to penalties. I get that. But at that time when it's 75 minutes, you're actually making a sub for 45 minutes. And that's what you're actually, what hearts are playing for at that time. It's been decided. So I just thought it's not just the, 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 the tactics there. It's like the, the energy that gives to the opposition, the fans, a, that says a huge amount in, in that one, in that one moment. And I think every, and it just, the inevitable just seemed to be that Rangers will eventually score with hearts. And I just think at that time you have to gamble on, and this is very easy for me to say. You have to gamble on what you have, and you have Woodburn, and and he can play in a more advanced role. He does have a touch. He does have awareness. He could release Ginelli for 
a go, if if you understand what I mean, and and allow because you really we, we couldn't get him into the game at all, and he was we all thought would be quite key, even though he's not been particularly good, just. In, in sort of previous Hearts games, Ginelli's been used relatively well in some of the games against the old firm. Um, so, so yeah, I just think that, that there was there was things he could have done. I think, and, and the main one is, I just think he could have done it all more in stages. And uh, you see teams do it all again. They do it for 15 minutes, then it's sit right in, regroup, come again, again for 15 minutes, rather than it just, he went for it in the first half and not getting there, there was seemed to be, there was absolutely zero hope of Hearts ever getting anywhere near it. But, as you say, those injuries have to be taken into to consideration, which maybe I wasn't previously. Aye. Aye. But at the same time, Rangers didn't have any strikers and they played in a European Cup final and gave it their all for extra time and penalties. And, I mean, the amount that's just feels like it was the you. best opportunity. It was exactly, the best yeah. opportunity for Hearts to do it. And I felt he'd done... And he, and he, and he, went, he went to what Nielsen sort of... I, I don't want to get into this thing about criticizing Nielsen because Nielsen's done a fucking incredible job twice for us on two separate occasions. His win he, percentage is good, incredible. Yeah, he's done an incredible job. But it's like the the things he always gets criticised for, the like the little things he get criticised for, it reared its head again and it reared its head in, in probably what was possibly going to be Hart's best opportunity of giving the old form a real tough test in a, in a cup final because... As I said on the preview pod, I'm getting very worried about how much further away that they're going to get. And these days are going to get, they're already fucking hugely difficult and they're going to become more and more and more impossible as, as, as the years go on. We, uh, we're we getting our millions soon as well, Tony. So we'll be, it's a big, it's a big remember uh, RCC said it's a big three now, so taking his word for it. <laughs> You'll get your four million and they'll get their... 20 odd and then <laughs> yeah. they'll get their 50,000 season ticket orders and you'll get your 14 uh, and yeah you'll catch right up <laughs> but I mean um, fair, fair play to Rangers um, I was yeah. kind of just talked about Hearts as failings there but um, they as we've said a couple of times they, what they went through in the uh, in the build up to the game wasn't ideal preparation they got Another mammoth performance at Bassey. Two, two absolutely amazing performances in a, in a few days of each other and two finals. I mean, four hours. Exactly. Four hours of football. That's got to have alerted. I mean, I, I wouldn't have said going into the summer that. I mean, Bassey's had a very good season. We spoke about. We, we've given Bassey a lot of praise on this pod, but I mean, I wouldn't have said going into the summer that I thought that there would be other teams. Sniffing around unnecessarily, but I mean, I mean that's got to have alerted teams. That, I mean that. Yeah. He, he, I mean that's the biggest stage, um, and the Europa League Cup final. Hey, um, yeah. he. I thought my shit joke. I've lost my train of thought now. Oh yeah, so <laughs> uh, Rangers. They. I mean, they weathered the early storm. They took a grip of the game. They brought on the right substitutions at the right time, and they dealt with. Hearts aimlessly, well, not even aimlessly, just constantly pumping up the Sims and then him aimlessly flicking it on or like nobody getting close enough to him to get on the end of it. The amount of times I saw that in the second half, it was so frustrating. Because um, in yeah, the first half, Sims was, Sims was really, really good and he was have, and he was I running was. along that, what what, he, what I love that Sims does and I see him do it every time. He goes along the back line. He goes, he goes ahead and bullies everyone. So it's not just that he doesn't just focus on one player. He, he like goes around and it's like he wants to make sure every single player 
uh, is going to is going to have a problem with him, and he's a handful. But, and it also means that he can give options to all the players at different parts of the pitch as, as a target. So he was superb. But then he but got hung Mackay, out to try second. Half. I, I think Mackay severely dropped out the game after half time, mm. and he lost a lot when Boyce went off because he's had a fantastic mm. partnership with uh, with mm-hmm. with Boyce. But then um, Scott Wright, who has had a very had a very weird season, Scott Wright. It I mean, there's, time, there's there's been times where it's looked like he's definitely not going to make the grade, and then there's other times where it's been like, oh, he's a decent squad player, and now he's just been an essential part of the of of one season of the end. most historic uh, run-ins. Yeah, um, he seemed yeah. to become a, a really key player there, and especially over the the last few matches where he he started um, as one of the front three in the in the final, and then he comes on. And in, in the semi-final, and, both legs in, in Europe, he started yeah. He started those as well. And he got an assist for Kamara's goal with a lovely back heel. And um, yeah, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. And he's clearly got GV, well, Van Bronckhorst trust now. So you're looking at him next season, definitely, like, I'm, he's not going to be the main man, but he's definitely going to be part of the squad regularly. He'll, he'll be playing 30-plus games next season, he will. Yeah, exactly. So at the very least, he'll be like a, a, a rotation player for domestic matches, for for league matches on a, a Saturday or a Sunday, depending on which uh, European competition they end up in. Um, yeah, but back to back to Bassey. It's like now, if you've been watching, as you're saying about alerting scouts, if you've been watching him there, it's like you're the combination of everything playing under pressure. Um, showing the fitness, so showing all the physical sides of it, being able to take responsibility, showing how much he can recover. I mean, I mean, in the Europa League final, he made like a huge mistake and he got back to cover for it. And in this game, he saw, and then he's moving from centre half to left back over over those two games and having equally as good games in both. And it's and then so like you're. You've got the mentality, the physicals, the actual ability, the ability to play in multiple positions. You start, if you're a coach, you are like, well, that's fucking great if you can just do absolutely everything. So, I mean, you're, you're spot on. You can't imagine that people, not just in the UK, there would have been people springing up everywhere thinking, exactly. wow, what can we do? What what can we do with him? I mean, other other performers in the game, the best performer, I thought John Suter was, was superb for I for Hawks. And I mean, what, for a, from a Rangers point of view, um, they they seemed to get, they got a lot of joy down the wings, but they weren't really able to take any advantage of it. And that's again, Suter, Calcutt and Kingsley done done really well to deal with that because the the, the wing backs for Hearts, they didn't, they didn't get a lot of joy against Diallo and, and Kent. We... It's like we allowed them to have the wings. So we played a 5-2-3, so the, the midfield could only do so much shuttling. Um, and we had the three centre-halves, which I think the idea was they'll deal with anything that comes in because we allowed so many one-on-ones um, with Kent up against Atkinson and Tav up against um, Cochrane, and Cochrane was having a torrid time in the first half. Mm. He was looking, he was getting to the stage where it was like, we're going to have to take this guy off before uh, before his career's damaged. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, it's like we allowed that, and that I think that was one of the things that was so disappointing as well, is that 
we played such a defensive system. I mean, I know we went at them, but we were definitely set up to be a flat back five when we needed to be, and we were for mm. long spells. But we still gave up that sitter for Jallo, uh, just at the stroke of half time. He's got to score that. Um, I think Arebo had a similar one. Would that have been in Absolutely. the. Absolutely, yeah. Was that the first half? It, of was, all, it was all headed. It was all free headed. It was a very, very similar chance. But it was at the yeah, same yeah. end, but it was later, so I'm thinking it might have been the first yeah. half of extra time. Um, there was the absolute wonder save from. Uh, Aribo. The, from. Uh, yeah, from Gordon from Aribo with, the, with, his, uh, mm-hmm. with his foot, like De Gea in his pump. Um, mm-hmm. And. So, so my point is, yeah, we didn't even restrict them that much, really. So. Mm-hmm. Aye, it was a, it, so like I think it was can, a can weird over-egg. decision to just let them have the wings basically because we saw that the the, the crosses that Bassey and Kent were putting in were were pretty good. You can yeah, you can overegg just because you got to ninety minutes with nil no. You can overegg how good the rear guard action actually is. I, I know what you mean because we're, and that's something we're all guilty of. You see it and you think, God, oh, they must have done brilliant. But as you're saying, you sometimes it's just yeah, it's just like purely. Just because the other teams maybe being a bit wasteful, and you always need a little bit of luck. And again, this is there's this, there's a middle ground here, I think, with with talking about Hearts, and I'm going to come and talk a bit more about Rangers second. Between Nielsen doesn't need to be fucking castrated and and like sort of held up and and heavily heavily criticised, but as I said, you don't absolve everyone of blame. There is a middle ground where you go, great season for Hearts, elements of the game plan uh, seemed smart and could have worked, but there's also clear criticisms that you can make in the style, in the approach, decisions at different parts of the game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you're able to have sort of an intelligent sort of debate about it without always, there doesn't have to be one or the other all the time. It doesn't have to be the feast or famine. You can just talk about how sort of Nielsen and Hearts sort of approach the game overall. And that just, as my main one is I always just felt like he just went for it. So, so and just there was not, nothing left in the tank. And that's why I was of the opinion that, I would have left Devlin. I would that would have been the guy I would have went for because I thought Halliday could have done a bit, and Halliday would have given you the same. So pressing not to the same level, of course. I mean, Devlin's possibly the best, one of the best pressers of the ball in the league, and and sort of tackling wise in terms of gaining momentum. But just Hearts needed to have something up their sleeve for another period of the game in case the the game plan of getting a goal or two ahead in the first half didn't work, and I felt he just. Once that didn't happen, you're just like, oh, well, what's, what's the plan now? There's no way of being able to go again. They look tired. And I think, but again, they're, they're, you're all, you will always need luck um, in, in, in a cup final against the old firm. But as you say, it just, just, it just petered out so much for Hearts. It just seems, it, just, it was really frustrating. It certainly would have been interesting if Hearts would have had the chance to play, even with that eleven with them all fully fit it definitely would have been yeah. a, an interesting game but at the same time you could say that if Rangers had Morelos or even a fully fit roof to choose from then they'd probably win that game very easily as well I mean especially Morelos could be I, I sitting here with a double if they had Morelos or Ruth yeah yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty safe, fair to say um, I mean Ryan Jack uh, Craig as you, as you were talking about comes off the pitch in the Europa League final, and Rangers definitely take a dip uh, after that period, and he comes on here, and he has an absolutely massive impact. Um, if that is this Jack back to his best now from his injury, I mean, from 
honestly, I mean, I, I have not, I'm not, I've not seen him every week. Is what I'm trying to say is the mumbling that I'm making. But um, from what I have seen, I don't really, I've never really seen his performance drop that much. I mean, he's had <laughs> troubles with injuries recently, and he's been mm. in and out, and there's clearly been fitness issues and stuff. But even. Even when he's making his way back and he's getting half an hour and stuff, I I I I never really look at Jack and think he's had a, a poor performance. I mean, the Rangers fans won't like me saying this. We're going to talk about the Scotland squad on the Patreon later, but that mm-hmm. is very exciting for Scotland because if we're not going to have Gilmore, then he is the, the, the perfect player to come in to replace him. The relationship that him and Callum McGregor have had in the past has been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's I just think it's Ryan Jack. He's just a very good player, and and you, <laughs> yeah. he, we just don't seem to have another another player like him. And and that's the thing as well. I mean, that's what I was going to say with uh, lost my train of thought a wee bit again there. But um, even if Gilmore is fit, then having well, Ryan Jack played five for, bloody games but for um, so. <laughs> for competition, and because he's he's a different player, we just we just don't have another mm-hmm. player like Jack and. He's prone. I don't know. That was a rambling nonsense. I'm sorry, Ryan Jack. No, no, no. I'm just trying to say just... I really like you. <laughs> ah, he's just he's just a defensive midfielder who plays forward, uh, and they they're quite hard to come by, man. I mean, you you've got guys who can be great at tackling, and they pass sideways and backwards as the things that get criticised about them. But Jack has all the physicals, um, can screen, can do the interceptions, and then also when he gets on the ball, he's able to drive. He can dribble a bit. And then he can play forward, um, so it, it just he is. He's a complete unique player, and, and uh, he's actually a unique Scottish player at the, at the moment. There doesn't seem to be anyone else that's anywhere really like him. And, and he was, and he had such a massive impact on the game. And for the two Aberdeen boys to come on and, and do that for Rangers, I think that's big. It's big for them, and it's also big for obviously like for Van Bronckhorst coming in and these types of signings. It shows that like guys that we bring through. Can't we always used to always think about it that they always go to Rangers to sit on the bench and go to Celtic to sit on the bench? These young Scottish players that we end up bringing through, but we're starting to see that I think that these guys that are being produced by the other teams in the league, they're not just being signed to weaken; they're actually can go on to be really solid, solid, good players for for Rangers and Celtic, which is which is exciting for everyone, and it means that we can push to. If Rangers Celtic are going to have all this money, then you'll have to, if you want the players, then they're, we're now proven. Uh, we'll need to take some of that money off you now and not the 1.25 million that always seems to cost for every single player, regardless of, of ability, <laughs> if it's coming from another if it's coming from a, another Scottish team. Um, but yeah, the, the fitness levels at Rangers for, the, for maybe the third or fourth time this season, uh, they deserve so much credit for it. It's... But really, really impressive. The one that they've done against Celtic, and then they've done it. They've done it again against the two best teams in the league that they could possibly play. They had the worst situation, the worst scenario, really, for playing them both. So both Celtic and Hearts are sitting there thinking this is the best opportunity to play them, especially if we can take it later. And both times they've they've come back stronger, and that's the. Not just Van Bronckhorst, not just Gerrard, but the club as a whole has to take, and the football side as a whole needs to take like a massive amount of credit for that because it was, it's eye opening because everyone fancies Celtic, especially in that semi final. 
Yeah, I, I think that's one of the defences for Hearts here is that mm-hmm. they, did it, they did it to Celtic. I mean, the only difference is that they won the game before they played Celtic and they lost the game before they played Hearts. Mm-hmm. So you could say that the morale was maybe a bit lower. So that, that gave Hearts an extra advantage. But yeah, I mean, it is a, it is a sort of ample defence that they, they beat. Of, I mean, that was Celtic's first domestic defeat in 30-odd matches, I think that match yeah, was. I, yeah. can't, I can't remember exactly the, the, the number, but yeah, ultimately it was a, why they ended up champions in the end. So yeah, I think that this Rangers team has been... I suppose one of the reasons I've been... I was so disappointed with this game is because in my head this season, and even before, uh, I was going to say last season, but not last season, the, the Gerrard seasons before that, Rangers have been a really sort of there's been two different Rangers and I don't mean mm. that I'm not getting into that debate Tony I'm, that's no, no, not I know what exactly, I'm getting I know exactly where you're going here yeah I know exactly but where you're going there's here. the European Rangers where they just seem to find this other level and everybody seems to play to the performance that, 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 that they've been signed for or that they sometimes above that and then there's the domestic Rangers, and I thought we were going to be playing... Well, I suppose we did play the domestic Rangers. They weren't exactly great, were they? I mean, they stepped up a gear yeah. when they had to later on in the match. But, um, yeah, another rambling nonsense. I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> not, not at all. Um, I'm, not, yeah, I'm probably not going to get paid for this now. <laughs> well, Fowler will just be unhappy because you've criticised Hearts in some shape or form. Um, what's the... But the, I suppose the, the, the door here for Rangers is... I, I've got a feeling this is the... The ugh, the end of this team and its sort of its core, the core that we've had maybe Rangers have had over the last three or four years that, that culminated in the in the Europa League final, especially as sort of like I know it sounds silly because they stopped the ten, but seeing this team grow, a lot of the core players have shown improvement season by season, and then didn't even skip a beat when they moved. The manager moved; they were able to keep that that going. But I mean, Rangers fans might not like me saying this, but you're starting to feel like there's a high chance you're seeing Kent, Aribo, Well, see, I was going to ask a question, and you mentioned them. Well, Goldson's definitely away, but Kent, is it, is it, have Rangers had enough from Kent this season? And should Rangers persist with Kent, assuming he wants to stay and nobody comes in for him? Because he's another one who's had a bit of a weird season. Yeah, definitely. There's moments where he's been... Where he he takes it to levels where he's clearly one of the best players in the league, and he's and he's he's showing that on and he's he's on a par with quite a lot of people in Europe and things like that as well. I mean, he steps it up, but I don't remember him doing much in the in the final there. And and there's been lots of other games where he's just not shown up, and there's been large stretches of the season where he's really. I mean, his numbers haven't been that good for a start, and I'm not um, for a start saying that he's not been. Uh, Good, uh, good, yeah. But he, it's yeah. just like for for what they signed him for, and for what Leeds were going to pay for him, and his his clear and what potential. You know he's of. Exactly. Yeah. I I just um I, I wonder whether Rangers and him it could come down to his his decision as well. I wonder whether they will persist with that. Because there's there's some things like um, Kent's always good to have. This is something I want to make clear here. We're going to have a little tiny bit. Kent's always good to have because he's a brilliant ball carrier. He's always an out ball. But they shoot. They, but when a guy of his absolute ability, that becomes like just expected. So you ignore it. 
So like you know like when 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 I'm use I'll use just because he also played for Rangers and and Hibs and stuff. Brandon Barker, for example, I used to defend him on his final ball and stuff because I'd be like, well, he's not really the finished article. It's not really, but at Hibs when he was at Hibs, I'm like, ah, he's bringing a lot to the party because he's carrying that ball twenty thirty yards. He allows Hibs to keep real pressure and momentum against teams all the time because it was just another way Hibs could either play a big switch out to Boyle who could carry it, they could play through the midfield to McGeoch and to McGinn or they could go and... But, so there was just all these different ways of Hibs carrying the ball through the pitch which means that you keep momentum, you put pressure on. So even if one of those players isn't the best at the final ball, they still have a very big part to play in, in, in the team's sort of style. Whereas with Kent, you don't really want to just... I feel like I'd be damning him with faint praise with, with, with shit like that, saying how good he'd be at carrying the ball, how good he'd be at getting Rangers up the pitch and all that, because there's a whole other level to Kent where he should be absolutely tearing teams to shreds. He's shown he's got a good final ball at times. I mean, in Europe, he's, especially the knockouts, he's, he's, he really looks like the, the the motivation really comes into him there, and, and, and he, he's tearing, tearing like big fullbacks, good players to, to absolute bits, and they look terrified. So you start to wonder about motivation. I, 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 that's that's where I start to lean towards when it comes to that, that he feels like, especially one of those players, maybe after the 10, felt like that was job done at Rangers. And he was probably looking to move, but then he managed to get that, that jump start in him again because the European run came and you were able to see what you know of Kent. So that's I've got that feeling that he was maybe his head was in a bit of a spin and he was the only way he was ever really truly able to focus himself to the levels he needs to to be like the end product on top of everything else would be in Europe, and I just think it would probably be smart as well for Rangers to to maybe cut ties because you can still get a really ha- that that performance in Dortmund alone has put his ceiling. People's I've noticed how high his ceiling is and how much money rate, and people would probably blow quite a lot on that because the style that Kent plays, and I said this on the Wingers pod. That ability to just stop dead and then score at full pelt at acceleration—that's that's not a, that's not just a given of a attribute that wingers have. They're actually talking about it's a small amount of players in every league that can actually do that. And here, it's quite weird in Scotland that we've actually got Joe and Kent who can do that. Um, but so, if I was Rangers, yeah, I probably would and cut my can. not cut my losses, but I just think balancing it all out if you can get a good offer I would do it and they'll need to make money for, for Van Bronckhorst he's not had a summer yet he's obviously going to have his own ideas um, so I think that I just think this was probably if you're of a Rangers persuasion and a lot of those players it's really it was probably a really nice trophy to win there just to, to top off because I've just got a strong feeling that it's going to be pretty much uh, maybe five six core big players that, that, that are going to leave right now. I don't know if you agree. No, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, we already, we've already seen a few confirmed. I mean, I mentioned Goldson earlier. That's all but confirmed. Uh, Alan McGregor, that looks like that mm. could be done. Um, oh, God, now no, I feel, feel on the spot. We've mentioned, we've mentioned Kent. Yeah, well, Rebo, yeah, you wondered whether people will come in for, for him now or, or whether it's another season... I just get the feeling that even though it's a Champions League next season and it's not something that they have done, I've just got a feeling that a lot of these guys, Kent and Ebo, will start thinking that they hit the pinnacle with Rangers in that Europa League yeah. final and that won't be revisited and they're all of a good age. They've all given good service to Rangers as well. It's not like they're they're, they're walking at the first sign 
I just think a lot of them with their agents would just, I just get the feeling that they would pull the angle yeah, for, I would, for, for moves I, a bit now. I would say that more about Kent than I would about Aribo just because there were people sniffing about Already. Kent before. But whereas mm. Aribo, I mean, and I'm just speculating here because I, but you, Aribo looks like the, the, the kind of signing to me. I mean, they would have with Kent as well, but I, they've probably got a timeline for Aribo. They probably said, come up here, play here for X amount, and then we'll. I mean, English clubs will want you or or whatever. That's how you persuade and, and these that, guys to come. And whether period. that window opens... Yeah, exactly. And whether that window mm. opens this summer or whether their timeline is January or, or the next summer, mm. I don't know. But it, it definitely looks like the kind of one where they would have said, like, come up here as a kind of platform. And then... Because, that's, that's yes, definitely somebody... Point. And he's done it on the big stage as well. Mm, that's definitely a decent point about the sort of January thing. They might look to ask a couple of these guys just to allow the, the new signings to bed in, that they're obviously, the Rangers are going to make seven or eight, I'm assuming, pretty big signings. And if they if they make the champions, like, you know, I mean, there's money there for both Rangers and Celtic. They are both going to strongly invest because they need to win the leagues. And this is the time of your Rangers and Celtic to try and take a stranglehold because as long as the, well, the European runs are going well, that's the time that you can you can create dynasties and, and you can get good players to come in. It's a time to invest. So um, it'll be, I think actually, as an aside, next summer is going to be, in terms of money spent uh, and the amount of players coming in, I think we could be in for one of the most bonkers summers on record because hearts are going to spend, obviously, because they've got a guarantee of a windfall uh, of money. Obviously, Rangers and Celtic made huge amounts of money with guaranteed Celtic being guaranteed in the Champions League. Rangers could well make the Champions League. They've also had that European run there. That must have made them a fortune, all things considered. Rangers can make a lot of money from player sales as well. So there's going to be a big spend in there. And then I think that Hibs and Aberdeen, because they were so shit last season, and because I don't think the Yankodors quite know what they're doing, I think that they're just going to go, well, I think we'll open, we'll spend money on we'll players. We'll throw some money at both- it, yeah. Yeah, like that's what that's what Americans do. That's the kind of the way that the way of life over there. So I get the feeling that so I'm getting a feeling that the sort of even the bigger clubs in the league are gonna like go go for it a bit for maybe the most we've seen since the since the Satanta days maybe or like the early two thousands. So um, whether that is good or not, it's, 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 I'm not here speculating on that or anyone's going to spend this money well. But um, it'll be. I think we're in for a very interesting summer as a as a fan yeah. for like your your gossip columns are going to be bouncing. I think just over the next few years, I think it's going to be quite exciting to see where Scottish football goes because I think that there's a real chance for, and I mean mainly Rangers and Celtic here, obviously, but there's a real chance for Scottish clubs to establish themselves as regulars in group stages here now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a good mood around the country about the game and the national, national team, team and and mm. and the I and I mean I know it wasn't the best domestic league last season but I, I think that all kind of feeds down as well that has a knock on effect to the sign ins that come to other teams in the league because they see Rangers in a Euro, Europa League Platform. final or they see them beating mm. Dortmund and that kind of thing so it will be good to see if. Scottish clubs, and I mean that, and I mean as well as that, a Hearts or an Aberdeen or a Hibs every season as well, uh, obviously being in group stages and getting famous victories and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully it's, yeah, hopefully it's the start of a new era in European mm. football for, yeah. for Scottish clubs. 
Yeah, that would be it would be fun because I'm desperate for the trips. I missed them. Hibs have had a few in recent times, but I was away, so I missed the sort of the, the fun ones to Bromby and to Greece, where there was actually some success in, the, in these. Not just the trips, there was actually some success at the back of them. So, uh, I fingers crossed we can all get a, a, a cut of the pie and at least uh, get a day out in a square. That's all really <laughs> fans of our clubs. That's that's our pinnacle. We're not going to win it. So it's how many times can I go into a European square with a retro strip on? It's <laughs> long and short <laughs> of uh, my my dreams in European football. Um, but talking of dreams, I think we can move on now, Craig. I mean, congratulations. It's weirdly enough, like it's like there's three teams in Scotland that are all going to be pretty happy with their season, which I think's relatively unusual because <laughs> um, Rangers will still be ultimately happy Hearts will be happy because you look at the circumstances as well and obviously Celtic uh, brilliant season and again their circumstance they all sort of had now I'm, I'm going again but they all had quite unique circumstances for them the Rangers lost a manager mid-season um, Celtic were recovering from their sort of only woeful season there's been in a long long time and then Hearts obviously were rebuilding an entire team, well, made a, a lot of a team, and getting the football inside sorted, and obviously being promoted. So it was the, all of them sort of done well with a bit of adversity in there. It's not that none. Of, I don't think it really came easy to any of the clubs. So congratulations to them, and that'll be the last time you'll be hearing that for a while. Um, let's talk about the good guys, Craig. Why don't we do that? We'll do it after this. <laughs> got to put that ad in somewhere and uh, that gives me a wee edit right so lee johnson has been unveiled as the hibs manager their third manager in the last nine months i didn't obviously didn't look this up but is that about right yeah sounds about right to me probably fourth if you're gonna count david gray <laughs> yeah yeah we're not counting him he's, he's just doing his wee interim thing oh he nearly won so, a bloody cup he nearly won a bloody cup as a manager remember <laughs> so the last time Hibs were looking for a manager, they wanted Alex Neal. The Hibs fans weren't looking for a manager. Last time Hibs were looking for a manager, the fans wanted Alex Neal. They got Sean Maloney. Sunderland <laughs> got Alex Neal. Now, Hibs need a manager again. Who have they got? They've got the guy that Alex Neal's just replaced. How are you feeling about the appointment? Did I even say his name? It's Lee Johnson. Everybody knows who it is. Lee, I think everyone knows, yeah. They can't see him because he's too small, but everyone knows who he is. <laughs> Um, yeah, they've gone. They've gone like three inches higher for their manager this time. Three inches <laughs> taller. Um, right. Um, there's a. I'd like to say that I think Hibbs handled it quite shit. I'm going to guess that um, that it was the uh, the club was leaking the stuff about Yondal Thomason. So these things don't come out by accident. I mean, you'll know as a journalist. Sure, anyone could tell you that it's all controlled. People know on the whole know what they're. What they're doing when it when it gets out to the degree, the stuff about Yondal Thomason is a, is a name, and it, they have basically put themselves into a position where that the, in the fans' eyes that was the only thing that was going to be good enough, um, which I, and and they feel like they've put Lee Johnson on the back foot instantly, even though it sounds like the hierarchy were impressed. With Johnson, whether we we want whether we care about what the hierarchy think it has, that's another discussion. But they sound like they were pretty. Impressed. I mean, Johnson's CV's relatively mixed, but I don't think it's anything that should raise eyebrows in terms of sheer disappointment coming into Scottish football. What well, Lee? I mean, I, I use I'll use McInnes, Nielsen, and Ross as 
sort of the, the, the best examples. They're the three, last three managers that have finished third in the in the Scottish top flight, and they've all failed pretty miserably down south uh, in management jobs, where Johnson does have some success. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a success, but I mean, going to the position, the CV that he's got, it's not outrageous for Hibs to have a manager with that background. He's had success. Bristol City's promotions, he's kept the team in the championship that was unfancied. At Sunderland even... He, he had quite a lot of them on side by the looks of things. He played good football. I mean, he was sacked. They were third with two points behind, even over the 6-0 defeat for Bolton. It does... I'm not going to overly defend because it means that starts to speak to that was a team that was maybe about to flip over and capsize. So I don't, without knowing too much, I don't want to sort of overly defend something that I don't have enough knowledge on. But in terms of... Well, can I, can Hibs, I add to I, that? I, can I just add something yeah. in there then? I had listened to a podcast, Hibs Talk, the other day, and they mm-hmm. had, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but they had like a... Sunderland, Sunderland guy, Local yeah. journalist, yeah, the Sunderland Echo, I think. Uh, and he was saying that his nickname's Streaky Johnson or something like that, because mm-hmm. he seems to... And I thought he's going to fit in perfect up here. That's what like every manager has been like here this <laughs> season. Uh, St Mirren... Um, who, there's like three or four clubs that have gone on streaks of being amazing for like 12 matches and then not winning uh, for 10. Uh, yeah, Motherwell, Dundee United, St Mirren. So I was like, yeah, he's going to be perfect up here. But yeah, it seemed to be that that was at the end of a another bad streak of results, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. So it seemed to be that not only I was think it a run streak- of results, it was like it was one of those ones that does end management careers, basically. Or not careers, yeah, but six, management six, no, spells. Yeah, exactly. yeah. When especially I think he'd been on a really good run so they'd got themselves in a really good position and he dropped to third with two points behind because they'd been on a, a, a run and Sunderland probably panicked they would now turn around and said that was the right thing to do I mean they've, they've managed to make the championship uh, but that nearly went really badly for them because the, 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 the guy came in the caretaker and they dropped into like 10th so it nearly really went badly and then they just got the Alex Neal who I mean anyone who knows me knows I'll blow the Alex Neal trumpet till I'm blue in the face. He's a manager I love. I love the simplicity of him. He's the kind of guy that he strikes me as he talks to you properly and he would run through a brick wall. You would want to run through a brick wall. He doesn't overly, he doesn't overly make it too complicated football, but he also doesn't overly simplify it. I think he's got an understanding of tactics without it being sort of ridiculous and confusing people. I think he's like, Alex Neal strikes me as like the perfect blend of what traditionally I would say what a good British manager is. Alex Neal always really strikes me as that, so I always think he would do fucking great in in the Scottish top flight. That's why I was really excited about getting him in, and obviously how he does pretty consistently well um, in the English lower leagues. But um, but with Johnston, yeah, I think a lot of it would speak to what Hibs fans would normally want from like the, the style of football that I've heard everyone say. So I just feel like he's been put in a pretty shit position from Hibs and. I think as from from my point of view, he's not inspiring me, but he's not making me angry. I'm happy to see to see how it goes, and I, I can I can see the pros and cons of of all of it for for Johnson. And he, I think the things that I might not like is the sort of David Brent management speak that I can see is coming into that comes into him a bit. Um, he he likes to he's he's one of those guys who wants to come across as sort of uneducated of the game. And, and he'll, he'll attempt to do that. And I'm sure people saw on Twitter his little thing with Bomb Alley and all that stuff on the, that that was apparently completely made by him. It's, it is written by him that 
the the corridor of uncertainty. You know where he broke the pitch down into different areas. It was areas slightly different. Though it wasn't the corridor of uncertainty. It was something, something different. It was, it was corridor of something else. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like, there'd be bits like that that I'm a bit like, mm, when it starts, to, if it starts to go wrong, that'll fucking grate me. And I know it won't only grate on me; it'll grate on the fans. What about here's something which I'm guessing will be an issue for at least a few people. But does it matter that he has a Hearts connection? He used to, he was an ex-Hearts player. I mean, he, and he must be the first Hibs manager that's played for Hearts before. Well, yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, we have had Hearts. I mean, Billy Brown was even a fucking Hibson for, for one yeah, he's way as, more as hearts a, than Lee Johnson. And he's, he's as fucking hearts as it gets, really. He's like he's like hearts, tra- traditional hearts personified. Um, yeah. So I don't think again it won't be an. Johnson must have played what five games for Hearts or something. It really must have been. Uh, it really was as well. I mean, he, he looked like he was a decent wee player, but um, he just came in. He was one of the eleven that was signed in the same window, and yeah. I it was it was just. We had about 40-odd first-team players, and he, he got <laughs> yeah. a few... I remember he got a few... Chan- I'm sure he scored in a derby, actually. But he um, he, he looked like a good player, but he was... Course, I don't remember on a hard re- strip. It means he scored in a derby. Oh, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> him... Uh, I don't remember him... I don't remember him being terrible, but I don't remember him getting a run in the team. I remember him being pretty decent, and but I don't remember him playing that many matches. It's more of a problem that he's bringing in Jamie McAllister's assistant who played a lot for Hearts and also scored the winning goal in a, in a cup final um, for Livingston again. Sorry, Rob and I have been doing a Romanov podcast recently, going through all the signings that we made in the Romanov era and... Christ, where'd you find the time? God, it, took me, it, took, it took me absolutely ages to do the, the, the prep for it. Jesus Christ. How many players? Although, like, at the start, there's tons and tons, and then by the time you get to 2011, it's just like... It, in 2012, it's like Paul McMullen and yeah. Um, what what was I saying? Uh, uh, yeah, and the amount of players that we have, we've looked up how many games they played, and the amount that five, six, seven matches is uh, unbelievable. And uh, I, he was one of them. But I interrupted what you were saying to no, no, give I just, you a shit. So I'm sorry. It certainly won't be a problem. For me, I don't, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, really, that he played a couple of games for Hearts, <laughs> especially in that era <laughs> at all. I mean, I barely remember him doing it. It's one of those things that um, if it starts to go shit, it'll be used as a stick to beat him with. And also, Hearts will just, people will get noised up by Hearts fans saying, Agent Johnson, uh, blah, 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 Agent McC-. That's the bit that'll, that'll un- people with thin skins, which is a lot of football fans, especially ones that seem to. Uh, raise their head on Twitter, but so so it could it could end up being used against them, but I don't think it's going to make him break him at all. Um, if he starts doing well, I don't anyone will give will care fucking less. Um, he's been given a four year deal, so he's been given a lot of backing. Even though, like I always say, people always use again something else use use the sticks to beat people. There'll be break clauses all over that, like there always is with, with managers. That the Hibs will be able to break and pay them for six months if they pay them in the first year. And there'll be stuff like that all over it. So that doesn't really bother me. Performance related as well, yeah. Yeah, it'll be all that. So I, I, yeah. that doesn't bother me. And it means that if he is good, then we do have a manager solid for, for a while. And he's been down south for a while. He's had mixed results at times. So... The one thing I do like is that I don't think he'd be on the first bus back down south at the first like English chairman to flash him a bit of leg, which is always a 
possibility with these ones because he's had a he's had a pretty he's had a he's had a career down there already. It's not he's Aye. coming up here. He could probably get a job down there at some level now. So I'm thinking he's coming up here because he probably fancies a Hibs job, and it is a decent job. As you were saying earlier about Europe, the opportunities now for for Scottish clubs will put a glint in managers' eyes as well of what you can what you can do and. Um, Hibs, Aberdeen, Hearts. It's, it's very possible to to get yourself playing, managing in big matches that are sort of don't get forgotten about. Like if you're Bristol City managing in the middle of League One, I mean the money might be all right, uh, but I mean it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the same prestige whether they like it or not. The English fans down south, it doesn't. Than playing European games or playing cup finals in Scotland or playing in derbies. I, I, one thing I loved about Johnson is he mentioned derbies are a big reason he came. And that they're not just another game, and because he said he missed it every club he went to, he never got the chance to manage in a derby. And I think that's important. Hibs, like I mean, you, I'm, you Hearts fans have always told me that Nielsen switched from first spell to second spell, and the way he talks about derbies pre-match changed dramatically. And I do think there's trying to keep the lid on it and all that. I just think it's pointless. The players are going to go out there, and the f- crowd is fucking rocking. So they the, they're going to go. No, it's a different game. The second they go out there, they're going to forget a lot of what's been said. 99%, I, I believe. And they're going to get carried away in it. So you're as well just building it up to, like, to, like, it is a massive game and to have, to really get into it and, and, and try and get the extra bit. And in Scotland, man, we play each other four times. So if you can get the good derby results, you've already got fucking nine, ten points in your pocket, you know? So like, it's, it's not, it's not like it's a bad way of dealing with it. Um, often, so, often yeah. around the same. Places in the league as well, which can yeah, so, be key. Yeah, so they're, they're, they they are big and they are bigger matches. I don't care what anyone's. Of course, they are. The fans care. If you finish sixth but you win three derbies, you'll you'll get a lot more help than finishing sixth and losing two. Like you know, like that's you'll get a lot more leeway and you'll probably get another year. So it, it does matter. Um, um, but well, I overall, asked Sean. I asked Sean Dillon that in a podcast I did with him and Ali Heather a few months ago, and I, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it was along the lines of. We hear a lot of cliches that any of them true or whatever. And he said that you do everybody says it's just another game and that but he says it's not like it's not like that at all. I mean everybody does get up for it in a different way, the the, the players as well. And you can't help but not when especially in like a night game or a semi final or something and the noise is being made. I mean Yeah, exactly. You you just can't not be um moved to to a different kind of state by that. All the cameras are there, everyone in the, in the street, you'll be getting interviews during the week. You're not getting people piling in for interviews when it's Hibs and Mirren. You know, like people are only, there's one guy that gets sent to it, but when it's Derby week, someone's probably going to speak to the media nearly every single day in the, in the lead up and you're sharing it. So you can't hide from it. So all in all, I don't have a problem with Lee Johnson. I can see the pros to it. I can see where it could work. I can see exactly where, where what the thought process is. Uh, but again, I'm not going to pretend like I'm like, oh my fucking god, Lee Johnson's arrived. You know, it's not, it's not what, that's not what you're not. I wasn't like overly inspired, uh, and that's the th- and and, I, and as a, to go back to my original point, I just think the Yondal Thomason thing. If there was truth, I think there was maybe a bit of truth in it. I don't think like, too many people ran with it for it not to be, and it lasted a quite a while. Um, that would have been cool. I would have loved it um, for multiple reasons, um, but I just I think it was maybe. Quite, we to, to, we clearly had jo- the, the agreeing with Johnson and then still going for him, and the fans getting excited, thinking it was coming and waiting ages to announce Johnson. It all just seemed a bit 
bit wrong Gordon, as I'm going to call it now, <laughs> now that we've had a, a year or two to, to get a grips with how, with how he works. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, could he be a success? Absolutely. I, I don't think it's, it's ridiculous to say that he, he has the he has the chops and he's got a CV that shows that he could build a decent team at Hibs. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't sound too different from what Hibs have been like for the last year or so. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I think we're about done there, Tony. So, I mean, you started it. Do you want to end it? Do you want to? Do you want to see us out? I'll start. I'll fucking finish it. All right. What was it? What was Danny Dyer's thing uh, talking about when he met the Royals? I think they've done a. They're going to appear on EastEnders or something like that, and he said they've got proper mad faces when you see them up close. <laughs> And Danny Dyer, man. Uh, I love Danny Dyer. I do. I, 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 the, the Wall, which I watched on, I saw that quiz show he does. I've never seen a quiz show where the guy hosting doesn't ask the questions. He just and sort of, is so angry with everything. Why, 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 just, if your one thing is to say drop it, why are you so angry? Yeah, he just, yeah, he just and he argues with the Wall, which is it's all good, I get. He argues it. It with the Wall. It, it wasn't a problem, but I just thought it was funny. Like, I mean, they pulled him in, he doesn't even ask the fucking question. So great. Uh, but Dyer, Dyer, people don't like it that he became self-aware, but I quite liked it. I mean, he, he knows how to play. He knows how to play the game, uh, and, and that's fine. Um, I miss you, Dyer Dyer, just like I miss you, Alex Dyer. And thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> We'd like, uh, Alex, oh, what's the job that Alex Dyer's got now? He just got a new job, has he not? Yeah. He's, he's, he's with Alan Pardew. He's at Alan Pardew in Sofia, and they lost the derby. I saw that on the news the other week. Right. He got drafted in by Pardew because Pardew was running. He was like the director of football at CSK Sofia, and then the manager got sacked, and he came in, and they got them to the cup final, and he drafted in Alex Dyer to do it, and it was all quite interesting. We were talking about the... It was quite interesting, and Alex Dyer always come across as a good guy. But I, I am very great. much digressing. Uh, thanks, everyone, for supporting us, as always, and listening out. Uh, if you want to come listen to Patreon, me and Craig are going to talk about the Scotland squad. They got announced for the fucking 10 games that were playing in June. And when did any of these players get a holiday? I don't really know how it all works. But goodbye. Those were some tangents. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply